Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, the bear in studio. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on the radio or on the podcast, wherever you are, wherever you're walking, staying, listening, driving, wherever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. It's a rainy week here in Acadiana, South Louisiana. Yeah, we're flooding. I mean, it was 20 degrees last week. Mm -hmm. And this week, lots of rain. Usually January and February are probably our worst weather months. That's true. I mean, unless you consider oppressive heat uh, bad weather, then that would be August. But as far as actual events like flooding, sleeting, Just, freezing. Yeah. Ugly weather. Ugly. Yeah. Yes. But Augusto would be, yeah, probably three months out of the year that are just kind of like, let's just skip January, February, and August. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. But every state has that. It's true. And some have more than those months. That's true. Of ugly weather, you know? I agree. So anyway, uh, great to be with everyone. Thanks for listening to the show today. What's going on, my friend? Well, today's a big day. Is this it? is a feast of the conversion of St. Paul. Today. We're recording. Yeah, we're recording on, on, on a Thursday this week. Yeah. Do you feel a little strange on a day like today? You know? The conversion of your guy? <clears> hmm. <throat> Like, for example, for... Sort of my namesake, right? For one of the antiphons, I can't remember it exactly, I'm going to misquote it, but it was like, Paul, um, you know, you you were converted and became a light to the nation. I was like, man, Paul must get an ego on days like today, you know? Mm. It's like, how can you pray that and not... You know what I mean? It's hard to have an ego <laughs> when you look at the conversion of Paul. That's because true. he was a pretty, like, non-likable dude. Yeah. Right? And even after his conversion, I mean, I, I've never met him, but you know a lot about him because he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He, he's still pretty awkward and moody. It's true. Fellow. I don't think he ever got married. No. So, you know, there was no lady who was like, you know, that's the guy. He was just <laughs> a radical dude. And, and, and look, he kind of had that personality that whatever he was doing, he was all in. You know, so before his conversion, he, he was, you know, all in on, you know, murdering Christians and, you know, just being a ruthless, you know, dude. And then he has his conversion, right? When, and, you know, most of us are familiar with the conversion of St. Paul, right? He He's blinded, falls off his horse. The Lord speaks to him. He's blind for a few days. That You know, they take him into town. He visits Ananias. Ananias prays over him. His eyes are clear. He wakes up. Boom, Jesus, done. This guy never looked back back never so so then he was all in on like spreading the gospel around the world and you know yeah it's funny i i had a situation recently where a saint paul type person let's say um not me no but you know it's so easy to offend people and paul would offend people even after his conversion he would offend people yes um he even offended peter yeah the disciples the apostles his friends but some people would say, like, stop, Paul. Just stop. I mean, what if Paul did stop? What if he founded two churches and then and then he just quit? No. So, like, a lot of people today need to preach the gospel. They're going to meet resistance. You're going to meet people who are offended by it. Um, but we can't, like, don't stop. Don't stop these people. Don't cancel them. Don't, you know, shut them up in their um, little nice, pleasant box so they don't offend anybody. You'll never get St. Paul that way. More importantly, you'll never get converted people that way. Because today's not just about the conversion of one man, the conversion of many men through St. Paul, right? That's yeah. why we care about him. Right. Yeah. And, and you do you know, wonder how many people today we think are crazy and will look back on their life after they're dead and be like, wow, I think they, they were like really pushing the needle, right? In a good yeah. way, right? Yeah, 200 years from now, they'll be canonized. I think there's a lot of saints who, in their lifetime, people thought that they were not so, and and now they're canonized saints. Yeah, and that's something that's taken me a lifetime to learn. When I was young, I kind of realized this. I just need to learn it more and more, is that you know we really can't judge people to say, well, I would never do it that way, or they shouldn't do it that way, more, more importantly. Because we have no idea what the Lord is actually asking people to do. You know, and they could be doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing that the Lord's asked them to do. And I would do it different, but that might just be because I'm not holy like them. 
Mm. You know, or I might be a wuss or I might be too attached to things. Like that's why I'm not doing it different. Um, so yeah, anyway, let Paul preach. That's what I say. Don't cancel Paul. Don't cancel Paul. Let him preach. Well, we'll get to more of uh, Paul's conversion in the show. Um, lots to talk about today. I'm excited about the, the show today. You know, we actually did things a little bit different today. What? Yeah. Um, not in the show, but before the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, got me fired up. All right. Yep. All right. So I actually today have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Bring it. Yeah. So since you're slacking, mm-hmm. I took, you know, the heavy lifting on finding a have you seen. Awesome. Yeah. Let's what you're it. excited about. I'm so excited. Okay. You don't know this, but okay. Have you seen this? Since we often talk about death on the show. Yeah, like every show, basically. Like dying or saints dying or all these crazy weird things, and it's just kind of this common theme, you know, right? Yeah, every show. I'm not making it up. We just did it again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have you seen, have you heard of an escape room? Oh, yeah. Have you guys ever done it? Have you ever done one? I haven't done one yet, but my son has. He loved it. Okay, we we did it. We did it as a family. Mm -hmm. Our kids have done it. You know, escape room, if you haven't been, go to escape room. It's fun. You know, you're locked in this room with a series of clues, and then you have to, like, find the clues to get to, like, the next room. And then, like, it times you to see if you can get out of an escape room, can escape the room mm-hmm. in a certain amount of time, right? So, anyway, it's fun and interactive, and, you know, it's a very unique experience. And you can laugh and, you know, have fun and go with friends and whatever. Did you make it out? We did, yep. Good for you. Yep. That's a whole nother story, by the way. But... Anyway, so there's an escape room that started in Spain, Barcelona, and it's the world's smallest escape room. And have you seen this? Mm-mm. Okay. It is an escape room where you're put in a coffin. Mm-mm. Yes. And you're given clues to get out of the coffin by being in the coffin. Okay. So it, it is this experience of being in the coffin. So these people are laying in the coffin and then there's these clues that you're given to get out of the coffin. So so the room, the escape room is actually the coffin. I don't think I would ever do it. Do you have claustrophobia or you? I don't think more than normal people, but that sounds terrible to not be able to get out of a coffin. Well, I mean, they're going to let you out. I right. Mean, it, but it's it's sort of like this unique experience. Man. You know? Yeah, I don't yeah. think I would volunteer. I would say I would venture to say about half the people walking on the street would not be put in a coffin escape room. I don't know. Would you do it? Well, there's a couple of advantages to this. One is that it um by laying in a coffin, it gets you sort of acclimated to the fact that you are a mortal being. That's true. There's that. So there's one advantage. Two, it's just kind of fun. <laughs> apparently. Now I'm not sure I would do it. Um, maybe if like friends talked me into doing it now, they don't lock you. It's not like, you know, like if, if you get like panicked, you can't get out. Like, it's not like that. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, like when you go to escape room and you're getting clues, there's someone like outside the room who can see everything. And then you could talk to them. Like there's a microphone or, you know, video camera and be like, Hey, I'm kind of freaked out. Can you unlock the door and let us out? Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's better. Yeah. yeah do you know the liability that would happen if you were literally <laughs> locked in and couldn't get? So, like with this, it's like, yeah. I mean, you know that there's a way out, but the the, you know the, you know the the name of the game is can you get out? You and this this reminds me of uh, Christianity itself. It's like the Christian journey is an escape room in a coffin. There's there's clues that will get you out of it. How is that? Well, because the Lord tells us how to get out of the coffin. Mm-hmm. One day we're going to get out, um, but we have to actually follow those. Clues. We have to follow that path. We have to follow him, and then you get out of the coffin. So really, Christianity's like got the same idea. We turn coffins into escape rooms too. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, it's not your final resting place. It's your escape room. Hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were were we talking about last week or week four? Maybe I was looking it up that uh, there were some weird stories about people who were buried alive on accident. Yeah. And they got out. Now, I wonder how many people were buried alive and we never knew. They never got out. A lot, I think, back in the day. Today, not so much, but back in the day, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's something. I I don't think we like the experience of being uh, confined, even temporarily, to to something we that's so close to us. Um, but at the same time, it's something that's very comforting to us when we're confined. Think of like a blanket, or they make these like um, uh, hug blankets. You've seen these? They're like weighted, so it feels like someone's hugging you or something. I have a weighted blanket. Yeah, weighted blanket. I don't use it, but I've tried it. But can I be completely and totally vulnerable right now? Please. Okay. So they make these sort of teddy bear-sized, stuffed um, Mary and Jesuses. Yeah, I've have seen you ever them, yeah. seen those? Mm-hmm. They're really cute. Mm-hmm. My kids have had them, and whatever. And uh, I kind of took one from one of my kids. It's it's stuffed Mary. Mary's been sleeping. The you know the stuffed Mary. She's all cute, mm-hmm. like little fluffy Mary, mm-hmm. with a little veil and everything. Have you <laughs> seen this? Yeah, they're probably it's like a like about a foot. You know. Yeah. She's been sleeping in bed. Nice. With so comfortable. <laughs> but it's kind of like, I, and the, can I even be really weirder? Let's do but, it. Like in the middle of the night, like I'll, I don't sleep real heavy, mm-hmm. but in the middle of the night, I'll feel a little stuffed Mary in the bed. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'll say a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many Hail Marys I say throughout the night, but it's, it's more than I ever have before wow. in the middle of the night. Now that's good and bad because it's obviously I'm not sleeping hard enough, mm-hmm. you know, like deep enough, but. But if you're going to be awake, you might as well be praying. Yeah. That's awesome. But speaking of these coffins and the escape room, here, here is what's interesting. Okay, so St. Paul's conversion, when he was blinded, he fell off his horse and was blinded. He couldn't see, couldn't, and they just took him to a house. I mean, I think, you know, he was he was blind for like three days, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, an interesting number, sort of like a signal of like a, a spiritual death for three days, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesus was in the tomb for three days, right? for the resurrection. So that 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 3 days is is kind of unique in a sense of dying and rising to new life. So in many ways St. Paul experienced a a resurrection of sorts, of a new life in Christ, a, a conversion and that's what conversion is. It is death to our old ways, speaking of death, spiritual death, uh death to our sin, death to our old patterns and behaviors. And rising to new life in Christ and living differently, right? Yeah. Yeah, The uh, he would say about his conversion experience later in his letters that he has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. So, like, he's died. He said that he's died um, by his conversion. And... Um, that's what that's what's amazing about the promise of Jesus is that he promises us eternal life, uh, not someday, but right now. And that's what's crazy. It is both someday. So like we will die one day and actually go in a coffin, and he will raise us up again one day from that coffin, never to die again. But that new life doesn't begin then. The new life begins now. Eternal life begins now in the life of grace in the heart of every believer when they accept Jesus into their life. Uh, through baptism, through uh, confession to restore them to grace. When Jesus comes into our soul, into our life, we don't wait on eternal life one day, but we live it now. Um, And then the Lord promises that new life like he did to St. Paul. So St. Paul got to live many years as a Christian, um, and he spent those years bringing as many people as he can to the same new life in Christ, the same death. He wanted people to die the death of baptism, die the death of of coming to Christ to live a new life with him. And so he became an expert at at it. You know, that guy who was a little ornery and hard to get along with and kind of strong-minded, he became an expert at convincing people to die, Mm. like to die to your old man Mm. and and to live in Christ, Um, which, like he would say, gives testimony to the power of God in Paul because it wasn't Paul. It wasn't his eloquent speech or he wasn't like, you know, a super great speaker or motivational person. He just had the power of God in him to proclaim the gospel, and he convinced people to, to die. Yeah, I gave a talk this week to a group called Legatus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love speaking to these uh, Legatus groups because their, their mission is to be ambassadors for Christ 
in the marketplace, in the culture, in their businesses. So these are business leaders or owners, Catholic, who, you know, who desire to live their faith in the in the in their work, you know, whatever. So anyway, I was I was talking about that mission to them and talking about how no matter what, like all of us, wherever God plants us, we're called to be missionary, you know, like to share the gospel. And that's unique to each of us and our own gifts and our own story. And I said, you know, a lot of times we can complicate this, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's simply sharing your own story and conversion with other people and how you live your life or how you have conversations with them. St. Paul was such a powerful preacher and had a, such a heart for conversion because that was his story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, you know, he had a powerful conversion and he knew that this was possible for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. We all have that conversion story. It's not going to look like St. Paul's. It's going to look differently for all of us, but we've all had these moments. If we are a Christian, we are following Jesus that they, there has been a moment and moments in our lives where we have died to an old way and grasped hold of Christ to a new way of living. And, and, and that moves us forward. And then we're not just called to like hide that, but to, to bring people along in that, to share that with others. Yeah, and that's why St. Paul said, I'll boast of my weaknesses because it's the power of God. I mean, how many times must he have said, I used to kill Christians? I used to kill Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Now he was forgiven, but he boasted of it because it showed the power of God in his life that now he was making Christians wherever he could, however he could. He was giving his life so that more Christians would exist. But he didn't, he accomplished it by boasting of the weaknesses he had, boasting of his failures, boasting of how he failed Christ. Because, like you said, it's our conversion that inspires more conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people have a sense of the conversion of our lives, whatever it is, yeah, it inspires the same in their life. But if we never let people in on that, if we never speak about it, like, like I don't know. I don't know what I would scream. I wouldn't scream I, would, I killed Christians, but there's some stuff I could say I did that, that, uh, that the Lord changed me, you know? And mm-hmm. how many people know that story? I don't know. How many people in my life know my conversion story? I'm not really sure. But I'm not just an after. There's a big before. In fact, I'm I'm still before, but before and an after. Have you ever killed a killed a Christian? No. No, never. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Done some other stuff. But never murder. I've murdered people in my mind. Mm. But not physically, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I've confessed it just FYI to everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no more. No more. I've turned away from murdering people in my head. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Speaking of murder, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in today. Thanks to KLFT uh, Radio here in Acadiana and everyone listening on the podcast, wherever you are. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. What's been happening with you, man? Any new news in your life? Well, you know, just doing the family thing, doing the work thing, uh, continuing to grow the kingdom in St. Martinville. You got a lot of things time. going on, man. Yeah, y'all are starting a school in St. Martinville. Uh, yeah. So if you live in that area and you want to know more about it, just contact Deacon Adam. You're also doing a Lenten mission mm-hmm. coming up in Lent. Mm-hmm. In Cottonport, Louisiana. Cottonport, Louisiana. Yes, that's where it is. You figured out where that was, and so <laughs> if you are in 
of Boyle's Parish and a listener, um, Cottonport. Uh, yeah, in May. Not May. I'm sorry, March. <laughs> March 16th, 17th, and 18th. Look it up. Wednesday, D- Thursday, Friday. The Bear, Deacon Adam Conk, will be there. So if we have any listeners there, go check him out and listen to his talks. They're good. And you are actually, look, I'm just like all about you today. Gosh. Um, you're going to start actually uh, posting your homilies uh, eventually, kind of on a little podcast. And uh, if you don't, I'm going to make you because I really feel like you should and it's a good idea. But you'll do like a, your homily that you record and then do like a little sort of, you know, conversation around your homily. Yeah, it's it's, it's a crazy idea. Uh, but here it is. So it's called Homilies Plus. Homilies Plus. So I think by the time this is out, you'll be able to find it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean... Idea simple. I'll post one of my homilies that I record, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna have a conversation with somebody, some interesting guests from wherever, about going uh, deeper into those ideas, but like their perspective. And so part of it is to hear, like, a, let's say a, a typical homily from an ordained person about the the gospel, the saints, whatever. But then to let somebody who's not ordained share their thoughts on the gospel. You see what I'm saying? And have a conversation about it. Exactly. And you like, should call it. Homily is plus or minus. We can give you it a grade. It could be minus. We can give you a grade. <laughs> you know? Well, there's there's a famous streaming service that ends with plus. I won't say what it is. Okay. But that's kind of where the idea came from. It's like blank plus. So it's like homilies plus. Like an addition to. Right. You get the homily plus a conversation. Right. But you're, what you're saying is the conversation doesn't go so great. I can put a little minus stamp on it. Yeah. Homilies plus or minus. Plus or minus. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, Adam's going to be doing that. I mean, you're just like, you know, you can't keep still. I mean, I'm just kind of have a very boring life. So That's not true. You know, compared to you. That's totally not true. Uh, so anyway, speaking of <laughs> speaking of boring, um, you know, if you look at the Saints this week, we got tons of pretty heavy hitters this week. Great Saints. Um I don't know if, you know, people are into this. You know, we do talk a lot about it, but we mentioned the conversion of St. Paul. You got Timothy and Titus this week. You got St. Thomas Aquinas. You got St. John Bosco. Um, St. Francis de Sales was, uh, you know, a few days ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, this is like, you know, heavy week. So I'm kind of wondering, out of all those, do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Yep. That's so weird. You're weird. What is with you, Catholic? Homilies plus or minus? Total minus! Weird Catholic stuff! What if I could come on every show you do for your homilies and grade it? Oh, gosh. Would you let me? I would let you. I think I'd get as high as a C. C plus, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you think so? Yeah. Hmm. I think I'm a, I'm a bit more generous than that in my okay. grading scale. Well, I think if you're going to be honest, it would be like a CC plus. <clears throat> okay. But. but it would be fun. It would be a fun <laughs> segment if you want to just have me on to grade it. <laughs> so, okay, what's the weird That's Catholic funny. stuff you got? So, St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the most important figures in the history of the church. Okay. Uh, I won't disagree with that. For all kind of reasons. Um, but he also kind of had a weird... Life. Okay. There's some weird things about him. You probably know more weird things about him than I do. And so there's a big old list of, of weird stuff. Okay. Um, it's, it's almost like, where do we begin? He was uh, born and grew up in a castle. Did you know that? No, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, he was from a well-to-do family in, uh, in Italy, and he had uh, three brothers and five sisters. Okay. So he was one of nine. Okay. Which I have nine kids, so one of them is named Thomas. Ooh. Named after him. And you guys kind of do live in a castle. <laughs> I mean, it is like this this old, big, it is you know, old, sort of... Beautiful, you yeah, know, bed and breakfast from, from a long time ago that only your family could fit in. Yeah, we fill it up. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, he grew up in a castle, and that was where the castle... So 
when he decided to become uh, religious rather than become um, a lawyer like they wanted him to. Mm-hmm. He's very smart. He was very smart. They arrested him, his brothers, those three brothers they were talking about. Yep. And locked him in one of those uh, towers of yep. the castle for two years. You know, I don't disagree with that. You know? Two I years. don't agree disagree with that method. Like, really? I kind of... I kind of wish somebody would have, you know, locked me away and forced me to do something else with my life at times. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, hey, go in that room, have a conversion. Think about what you're going to do. Well, it was kind of the opposite with these guys that they wanted him to not have a conversion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just making a point. But like, if somebody had done that for you. Yeah. Maybe they are good brothers, you know, <clears throat> they're just misguided. Well, to try to convince them to not go the religious route, they sent in uh, prostitutes into the room. Really? Yeah, to try to That's convince him. That's not a good him. idea. Yeah. He was a teenager at the time. And um, anyway, that, that's when the angel appeared to St. Thomas Aquinas, that famous apparition he had, and gave him a belt. Have you heard about this? His, um, Chastity or belt? Or like a cincture, really a rope. And he, they said, look, put this around you, and you'll never be tempted in the flesh. And hmm. so from that day forward, it said he never had a temptation against chastity. Man. I mean... I think every, you know, every young man should pray intercession of St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. if you're struggling with chastity or, or lust. I've never heard that story, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was wild. Um, all right. He was... So the, f- an angel appeared to him at a young age. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He was afraid of storms, like bad, since he was a toddler. Is there anything you're deathly afraid of? Plane crashes, I think, is the closest. You have a phobia? When I get on planes, I think I'm going to die, like every time. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, and and I don't disagree with that either, is that, uh, you know, planes are man-made, but storms are, like, natural, Mm -hmm. God-made, you know? So, like, is there anything God-made that you're afraid of? Because man-made stuff is, like, I am actually putting myself in this life-threatening metal tube in the middle of the air. I'm choosing to do that. Yeah. Tornadoes. Tornadoes, yeah. Okay. Well, the reason St. Thomas Aquinas was afraid of storms, uh, when he was a toddler, his infant sister was killed by lightning while she was taking a nap in the same room as little Thomas was. That's horrible. Yes. And so later in life, uh, St. Thomas always had a relic of St. Agnes, who was an early church martyr. Mm. You're always the bearer of great news. (laughs) And prayed for her protection during storms. So like any time a storm would hit, he'd like grab his, his relic of St. Agnes and start praying, you know. You know, it's so interesting, like, you know, you know, not to sort of, well, to sort of like psychoanalyze the situation is that, you know, he experienced childhood trauma. I mean, that's a traumatic experience. And no matter what, through his whole life, there was a certain wound mm-hmm. that was there. You know, when the, you know, when a storm was coming, whether it was probably a scary storm or just a small storm, it tapped into this, you know, this history of origin in, in his own heart and soul, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the beauty of him is that he leaned into the saints and to Jesus in the midst of that fear, and that's what we're called to, but we all have scars and wounds, right? Yeah. I mean, you talked about that earlier with your Mother Mary pillow. Yeah. You know, he had the same thing with a St. Agnes relic where when he was, mm-hmm. he just grabbed it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I mean, I think, you know, like so often, you know, and to the point of, tying it all together with the conversion of St. Paul. St. Paul talked in Scripture about having this thorn in his side, right, that he couldn't get rid of. And there's been so many theologians that have debated about what is that thorn? Like, what is the thorn in his side? Because he never names it, right? Mm-hmm. But we know it's a burden, maybe a pattern of behavior, a wound, or whatever that he just could not ever get rid of in his life. It could have been his attitude. It could have been like just certain things that he couldn't change, right? That in the human condition that we're frail and broken, that we're not made perfect till after death, right? And we enter Mm -hmm. into eternal life, that we all have that sort of baggage and imperfection. And we can go two ways with that. Like we can live that out and just wreck our lives more than they already are. Or we can do as St. Paul and St. Thomas Aquinas did and take that wound and that brokenness and lean into Jesus and allow his grace to move us forward, even though 
we're afraid or we're broken, right? Those are our yeah. two options. And you see it active in the world. I mean, you have wounds, I have wounds, we have brokenness, I have brokenness, they have broken. Like, which direction do we go? And the conversion is, that's why we say as Catholics that we're sort of in this ongoing process of conversion, mm-hmm. this deeper movement towards Jesus and Jesus in our hearts. Because conversion is ongoing. We're constantly growing and turning away from, from an old way of life, you know? Yeah. So maybe we should grab some kind of holy object when we feel that wound. We just grab the object. Yeah, I mean, grab a rosary, pray it. Yeah. Uh, grab a relic. I mean, if you have one. Yeah, just grab one. A scapular. <laughs> They're not magic. It What it does is it 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 uh, reminds you of the presence of God. And right. so then you can lean into the presence of God and His grace, right? That's why we go to adoration or we pray, we read scripture, we go obviously mass, like all those things are constant reminders that God is present, that he's here, that he's active. And we feel like if you are listening, you like oftentimes in your life, you, you just feel in the moment, like something welling up that just, maybe it's worry or anxiety or like this, this wound or this hurt, you know, a, a storm's coming and it, you know, it figuratively or spiritually or emotionally brings up something, right? Mm. Just, to surrender that to Jesus, to lean in, you know? I mean, uh, I think we need to let go of of this sort of longing that we're going to have it all together one day. Yeah. And we're going to be perfect. And I don't know, people who come across that way, they probably need to be reminded that they don't need to come across that way. It's true. Well, we could spend half of our life trying to have it all together and the other half trying to convince people we have it all together. And then that just keeps us way too busy to actually pray or grow or become the people God actually wants us to be. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know, we've, we, the, the, we've, we find Jesus more in our brokenness than we do in our, our perfections. Yeah. Right. Well, cause the reality is Christianity is not about us finding Jesus, but that he already found us. That's right. That's the basis of Christianity. Even in our sin. We don't have to do anything. Even in our sin. What did he do? Mm-hmm. He found St. Paul. Right. Right? A couple more weird things about Thomas. Uh, he had horrible handwriting so much that when they found his handwritten notes uh, throughout history, there's a term just for his handwriting called litera inintelligibilis, which is Latin for literally unintelligible. Well, that, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to throw this out there and say that we might be related. It'll give you hope, man. Because you too can be a canonized ask saint. any of my people in my family like any of my handwriting they're just like i can't read that and so um they've had to interpret i think only my only my kids my wife can read my handwriting no one else they've just learned to be like oh that that word is this because there's we just (laughs) know the letters look different (laughs) literally unintelligible yeah now, what's crazy for St. Thomas Aquinas, which I can't relate to, is that he was an extremely intelligent human. Yes, you know, quite. So, I mean, he, you know, for having bad handwriting, he um, was um, <clears throat> really, really intelligent and was a writer. Well, the way he would write his stuff, and maybe you should get into this, is he oh. would have two or three secretaries at once. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So he'd be like, I'm going to talk to you for a bit, then I'm going to talk to you, then I'm going to talk to you, and they're all writing three different Just things. Just write it down. Yeah. Hmm. Now, did he take some of his wealth with him to pay for these secretaries to do his writing? Because, like, uh, Good question. I don't know, last I no. checked, it's kind of like a thing, you know? <laughs> he couldn't because he had to run away from home. So remember that captivity I was telling you about? Yeah. It didn't yeah, yeah. end well. It ended with him escaping and mm. uh, never coming back. And so... No, he couldn't bring his uh, his family's wealth with him to the Dominicans. Really, right? But uh, but by that point, the Dominicans had become uh, active in the university. So, like Thomas taught at the University of Paris, uh, the Sorbonne, um, and by that point, like there were secretaries for the Dominicans. Oh, so maybe to get free secretaries, I can join a religious order is what you're saying? Yeah, or teach at a university. Mm, yeah. It's true. That's good. Yeah. Um, so last weird thing is how he died. So a lot of saints have like glorious death stories. Maybe they were martyred. So for example, 
uh, earlier this week, St. Vincent of Saragossa, they tortured him every kind of way, mm. every kind of way, and it didn't, you know, then he finally died. And but it, harrowing story, you know. Now is this the show mom gonna like this story? Yeah. She, okay. Some some saints were not martyred, but just have beautiful death stories, like Saint Teresa of Lisieux, for example, who mm. on her deathbed um, was surrounded by her sisters, and uh, you know, it was just a beautiful moment. You have all kind of examples like that. Well, St. Thomas is none of that. So he's he's riding in the dark on a donkey. He's not mortared. He doesn't have Mm-mm. this beautiful deathbed, you know, sort of, you know, appearance of Jesus. And, nope. Nope. He's riding at night on a donkey, hits a tree branch, falls backwards, and dies. That's how he died. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The great St. Thomas Aquinas One dies of the like smartest that. guys ever. Yep. And holiest men ever. And Dies on a donkey. Yep. And it was uh, hmm. Benedictine monks who found his body, so they claimed it as theirs. He was a Dominican, not a Benedictine. Benedictine monks found his body and uh, started chopping it up for relics because he was so renowned to be holy already. Wow, that's so when disgusting. The, yep, so when the Dominicans found out about it, uh, they were like, no, you're going to bring him here. And they're like, no, we already basically buried him and chopped him up, so he's staying here. So that's why he's buried in Toulouse, France, near where he died, hmm. um, at a Benedictine ran. Place. So, I mean, to me, it seems like they would that would be like the Hatfield and McCoys. Like the Dominicans and the Benedictines mm-hmm. should still be at war over this. <laughs> well, like that's a pretty like that's pretty like drawing the line in the sand type mm-hmm. action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after Saint Dominic, Saint Thomas Aquinas is the most famous Dominican person. Um, maybe even more than Saint Dominic. Yeah, think, maybe even more known. Yeah, and uh, he's at a Benedictine place and. So that's some weird stuff about St. Thomas Aquinas. However, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, I mean, he forever changed the way we teach theology uh, that impacted all of Christianity. Remember, this was before the split, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Protestant revolt in the 1500s. So St. Thomas died in like 1224. So the impact of how theology and, and the faith was taught throughout the world um, still impacts all of Christianity. I mean, every time someone speaks about anything, they're probably saying something that St. Thomas Aquinas said or commented on, because hmm. um, he commented on it all, from the Trinity to sin to the sacraments to salvation, you name it. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, is known as the universal doctor of the Church. He's the teacher. He's the universal teacher of the Church. So anyway, happy Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, man. Yeah, I mean, and um, wow, I just hope I don't die on a donkey. Well, don't ride him at night. Well, I mean, okay. Or duck if you do. Thanks. Um, Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Dick and Adam Conk, Paul George in studio. Just rocking along. Rocking along. Rocking along. Yeah. You've been busy lately. Been praying for you. Oh, thanks. You've been busy yeah. too. Yeah. But, you know, not as exciting as you. you I know. mean, you got some stuff going on, bro. I mean, you're still young and energetic compared to me. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a whole <laughs> 10 years of, you know, just amazing stuff ahead of you. <laughs> I'm on my way out the door. I just want everyone to know Paul is not fading ill. into the background. He's not, he's not been diagnosed with anything. It's no, no, just no. kind of where Paul's at right now. It's just, not a, you don't have to be concerned. <clears throat> he's okay. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on my retirement tour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting when we're talking about all this talk about St. Thomas Aquinas and like, you know, I thought it was cool that you brought up sort of this, really this childhood sort of trauma and wound that he had. And St. Paul talked about a thorn in his side, and he has this massive conversion, as we talk about his conversion this week. Um, <clears throat> and, 
you know, is basically, you know, blind for three days and then receives a sight, the sign of spiritual new life in his life, you know. And uh, the gospel this Sunday, which, you know, maybe you'll have a homily on or not. I don't know when you're going to start posting your shows, but I can't wait. (laughs) Right? Homilies plus minus. Or minus. (laughs) It's from Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. Anyway, this is sort of Jesus at the front end of his ministry. He's in the synagogue, and, um, you know, someone starts yelling out, um, you know, this, this possessed man, what, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You know, and he rebukes the spirit, you know, if we'd never heard the story and it says quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him and the loud cry came out of him and all were amazed and asked one another, what is this? Literally like this is an image of Paul's conversion. It's an image of our conversions, image of this man having a conversion, this Whatever this this unclean spirit, this wound, this brokenness, this this trauma in his life, Jesus pulls out of him, and then he wakes up to new life. I mean, there it is, you know. And it's not always as dramatic as convulsions and and um, exorcisms, but the reality is, if if we're living a life apart from God in any dimension. Um, the darkness is near and even there in our life. And this is one of the things the Lord wants to free us from. I mean, the Lord doesn't just, praise God, he does. He doesn't just free us from our own stupidity, you know, because I can be pretty stupid, you know, and I, and I don't have great plans for my life. God has way better plans. But he doesn't just free us from that. He actually frees us from an enemy of our souls. Like the, there are enemies that don't want to see us live an inch happy with God, or because they're miserable, they've chosen against the Lord, and they are active in our life. And our Lord provides freedom from evil, freedom from uh, temptation. Not that we would never be tempted, but that we, through God's grace, we would overcome it like Christ did as well. And uh, this was so clear as he went about his ministry. Like you said, this is the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. I mean, he's setting these people free from oppression from demons. That's a big deal. And if if you're ever oppressed by a demon, it's not a it's not a good thing. This is something that makes us miserable. That the demons want to make us miserable, and so you know, I I think it's good to know that demons exist. It's good to know that hell exists. It's good to know that um, demons are active in our life, because that's another reason we need Jesus in our life mm. to stay close to Him. Yeah, that's the only reason. The best reason. There's no other reason. Is what I mean. Yeah. There's no, there's no other, there's no other thing that can help you besides Jesus. Right. I mean, what are you going to do to a demon? That's what I'm saying. Like, like look no further. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, Mm -hmm. like where are you going to go? Right. And, and that's one of the lines I love in scripture, um, where one of the disciples says to whom, to whom shall we go? Right. Was it Philip or Nathaniel or, uh, Thomas at, (laughs) look it up. To whom shall we go? Like we have nowhere else to go, Lord. Like, like. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. like, we look at our lives. We should have to just sort of decide, like, where else am I going to go for love, for healing, for worth, for purpose, for meaning, for forgiveness, right? Like, and we try all sorts of attachments in the world that are really hard oftentimes to let go of. But to whom shall we go? Where else are we going to go but Jesus? Well, it's interesting in the Gospels, the people we see possessed, like this man, um, they're not the rich and powerful and influential people. We see those people in the gospel. Let's say like Pilate, Herod, um, the uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees, the synagogue officials. We see those people not on the side of Jesus, but we don't see them get possessed. It's the it's those who are have nothing else that we see get possessed and freed. Um, and I think there's something there because it's when we know we have nothing else to turn to. We can't turn to our wealth. We can't turn to our power. We can't turn to our ability to influence the situation. We can't get out of the situation. It's there that we find the power of Jesus who sets us free from our greatest enemy, which is sin, death, evil, darkness. Mm-hmm. And those Pharisees who have things to run to, they have power, they have influence, they have money, they have uh, 
a good reputation, let's say, they have no idea how they're doing the work of the enemy and the evil one. They have no idea how miserable they are. Mm-hmm. They have no clue. And so instead of seeking Jesus, they actually seek to kill him, and they do. It's those that literally have nowhere to run to. They don't know the, the they don't have enough power or money or influence to make their lives better. They, the only thing they have is Jesus. That's who we see get freed from, from the enemy. That's right. And if you were given your homily right now, I'd give you a plus. Oh. Speaking of pluses, plus. let's do a six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. All right, so this escape room coffin thing? Yeah, escape room. The smallest escape room is a coffin. I'm kind of shocked how you were more into it. I would, I would expect you to not be so into it. But well, you things like that don't it. freak me out. Okay. The fact that it's an escape room doesn't freak me out. If it was just a coffin, I'd be like, I'm not laying in there. Like, get in the coffin. But the fact that there's a game in there is kind of fun. Okay. Okay. All right, so my question, question number one. Um, so if you... I remember going to one of these as a teenager. Like, it was called Hell House, and it was supposed to scare you to Jesus. If you had to design something like that, where it's an escape room, but the idea was, like, you need to find Jesus to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty funny. Well, what would you what would you use? Like, what would you put in the escape room to kind of like Ooh. scare people into Jesus? <laughs> oh man! Like Jesus has to be the answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What you know? What's interesting about? And I don't know if I'm going to answer that question, but I want to bring up this point: is that okay? Saint Thomas Aquinas' brothers locked him in a room for two years, and mm-hmm. their their whole point of distracting him from Jesus was to tempt him. Mm-hmm. And the reverse effect happened. That's right. The actual temptation actually moved him to a deeper conversion, right? Yeah. And so here's what I would say. I would show a video of of the per- all the person's life and their mistakes. Oh, wow. Right? Like that, mine too. Dang. And then that would be like, whoa, I need Jesus. Wow. That sounds intense. Yeah. Okay. What would you call it? Um, highlight reel. Highlight reel. <laughs> I don't know. Paul's special highlight reel. Yeah. Escape room. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number two. We talked about a lot of weird stuff with St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and you mentioned like these, these different wounds that people have and how Aquinas, when his, his sister died from a storm. Um, anything like that from your childhood that kind of stuck with you? Like some kind of event where you nearly died or someone you knew died or something. So you got, had a similar experience, anything mm. like that? Do you remember that story I shared? I don't know if it was this year, like what show that I got attacked by an owl when I was two and then we had to confirm it with show mom. Oh yeah. 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 I've, I've always sort of had this like small fear that this bird would come swoop me up and take me away. Yeah. That. So like mm-hmm. when you see an owl, you get a little nervous. Well, as I've gotten bigger, I'm, fairly big guy I'm like a bird can't pick me up but it is kind of like will a bird come like try to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if I'd lived in the time where there was like pterodactyls that could actually pick you up I think I would probably live in fear of those <laughs> and you'd be the first one they get because you're so tall yeah they wouldn't come after me right all right question number three so today is the feast of the conversion of St. Paul um, not to be too uh, probative here but what kind of conversion do you think God still has for you in your life, Paul. Who? Like what what's some what's some ways that like someone who's been following the Lord for a while still needs to change? What's the horse that you need to be knocked off? To? Man, you should ask my wife and kids that question. <laughs> Cause they'd be like, line up. We're gonna knock this guy out. That's what they would say. You know? Yeah. I guess I just constantly need a little bit more patience, more joy. You know, more forgiveness, mercy. You want me to keep going? No. I mean, like, I would say, like, once you knock me off of one horse, I'm back on another one. You're going to have to knock me off of that one. So, okay. You know, St. Paul was down and out for three days. I think I would be like more like three months. Yeah. Fair enough. Man, that sounds good, actually. Yeah. Knock me off a horse. I'll chill for three months and come back a new man. Three month retreat. How's that sound? You should do it. The Paul George. Uh, highlight reel, three-month retreat. Yep. (laughs) All right, question number 
4, um, so in the gospel this coming Sunday, there's a man in the synagogue who was possessed by a demon who was uh, exercised by our Lord. Um, I know you've seen some things in your life as far as, uh, let's say, that kind of situation happening, maybe. So tell me about like the craziest thing you've seen um, in interacting with somebody with demonic oppression or like some kind of scene like today's gospel. You ever seen anything like that? I've seen a couple. Of, yeah. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have actually. Okay. Yeah. We don't yeah. have to say names. No, 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 no names, you know, um, <clears throat> but yeah, good thing there was a priest there. I could just say that like exorcisms and demons are real. Plain and simple. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it a lot, but you want you see it once, you're just like, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, a matter of fact, like I'm answer your first question and be like, okay, instead of the video thing for conversion, just a demon. Like Oof. a demon would actually have the adverse effect on someone and be like, okay, I need Jesus. I don't want that in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, question number six, kind of related to that. So I'm sure you've met a lot of people like like I have that get really nervous about demons and the demonic stuff, and it's kind of um, a heavy thing on their mind, mm-hmm. like kind of all the time. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's it's good to be aware of it, but there is there is a possibility of overdoing our attention to the demonic mm-hmm. in ways that it doesn't deserve. So how do you help? How do you help someone who's maybe a little towards that end of like? paying a little too much of their real estate in their mind towards demons and the influence of the devil and that kind of stuff. Well, we can over-spiritualize a lot of things that maybe is emotional or, you know, physical or whatever. I mean, not that demons and Satan's not real. It's true. But I do have a friend who's a lay guy who is, goes with the exorcist of the diocese to all the exorcisms in his diocese. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a, he's a very spiritual guy. And like he, is official with the diocese to go with the exorcist. That's a fun gig. Yeah. He, pretty intense. And he's got a lot of stories, and mm-hmm. we should have him on. Okay. But he made a comment one day. I said, this makes so much sense, and it cracked me up. He said, look, 99% of the calls we get to go somewhere is a squirrel in the attic. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. People hear a noise, and it's a squirrel in the attic, and they think it's a demon. 99%. But he said, the 1%. That are real and hear some stories. And so what I would say to that is like we can over sort of spiritualize and demonize like certain things. And ninety-nine percent of the time it's not that. It's it's something else. You know, and so I think good discernment kind of helps us with that, right? The squirrel in the attic. That's a good that's a good thing. <clears throat> yeah. It's a I good like thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Was that the last question? Yeah, that's question number six. Man. We flew through those. Like an owl. Wow, what a conversion. <laughs> what a show. We were all over the place. All over the place. As always. <laughs> but I can't wait for your show, Homilies Plus Minus by Deacon Adam Conk, coming to a theater near you. So thanks, everyone, for listening in on the podcast, on the radio, all our sponsors. Certainly appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.